This podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna, I'm the daughter, and we're doing things opposite today because normally we do it at nighttime for mom and morning for me. And today we're doing it at about 9 p.m. for me and 7 a.m. for mom. So if I'm a little slower to give you guys all the (laughs) humor that you're after... That's why. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I I feel sad for you, Anna. It is hard doing it at night. I much prefer doing it in the morning. I wanted to tell you first and foremost, before we get into anything else, I wanted to tell you about my day today because it was so good. I had like oh. one of those, you know, like every once in a while you'll have one of those days that's just everything goes right for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're rare. They're rare for sure. But so I everything went well for me from start to To finish. Oh, I just burped. I apologize. Oh my. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. apologize. So when I woke up this morning, everything immediately started to go well. I had a bunch of stuff to do, like chores to take care of. And I started taking care of them straight away. And then I got a text from my friend, Sophie, who big shout out to Sophie. She's my best friend in this area. She's just fantastic. She was like, oh, I have a appointment in the city today. And when I finish, do you want to meet up at the beach? And so I brought vanilla slice, which I don't even know if we have that in the States. We do, you, do not. I don't know what that is. Uh, what I think of when I hear vanilla slice mm-hmm. is I think of like a vanilla slice. ice wrapper only different. No, oh. no, I don't. <laughs> I think what, of, I think. what what happens in my brain, because I have no context for vanilla slice, is I just mm-hmm. see a slice of something white. That's all. I, that's all I have. So I have no idea what it is. Ah, oh, I can't believe. Um, maybe we've never even talked about it. Vanilla slice. It, well, first of all, I have to preface it with the fact that vanilla slice is not my favorite kind of slice. Caramel slice <laughs> is my favorite kind of slice. Oh my. Which is, it's almost. It's kind of like pie crust, like a graham cracker crust, only not made out of graham crackers. What's it made out of? <laughs> Just sweet pastry goodness. I don't even know. But it's huh. similar texture to a graham cracker crust, and it's okay. just really tasty. And it's that. And then on top of that is caramel, like almost kind of like whipped, but then solidified caramel. So it's almost like caramel fudge, only not quite as thick. It's like softer on your in your mouth than caramel fudge. Is this something like that you get from like any cafe anywhere in Australia will have caramel? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like one of the things in the pastry case. Is it like a piece of pie shaped or? No, it's rectangular shaped. It's about an inch high and it maybe an inch and a half tall. And then it's probably five inches by two inches or five (laughs) inches by an inch and a half. (laughs) Everybody get out your rulers. (laughs) 
I'm trying to really give you the fit, give you the idea. And then okay, on top so of the graham, layer, graham crackers, is- wait, 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 wait. So it's a graham cracker crust. <laughs> this is a square. It's a graham cracker crust. And then like caramel fudgy goodness. And then okay. on top of that is a nice thick layer of chocolate, like at least a few millimeters thick chocolate. Wait, where's the vanilla? I thought it was a vanilla slice. No, I'm slice. telling you what caramel slice is. I got sidetracked oh. on t- oh. about telling you what my favorite kind of slice is. Vanilla slice is very similar, only it has a slightly different crust. It's more of like a bready. It's like an actual pie crust more than a, okay. you know, it's like actual pastry. Okay. And then it's vanilla custardy, only like you mix a little bit of gelatin into it, which is actually what I don't like. I prefer anything custardy to just be custard. And then it's got vanilla frosting on top. Frosting on top of jello. Sounds well, terrible. not jello. It's like, it's like, it's, uh, what? Surely there's something in the like stage. Cheesecake? Is like, like cheesecake? Like cheesecake? Yeah, it- a cheesecake texture. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's only It's not made out of cheese. No, I'm saying it's like cheesecake texture. Like it's okay. not jello. It's not gelatin. It's just a tiny bit of gelatin mixed into custard. That's the other thing that makes it difficult is that, and Australians will gasp at this. We don't have custard in the States. At least it's it's not popular in the States. Like I'd never had custard before moving over here. Do you even know what I'm talking about when I say custard? Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff you put in the donuts, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's similar. It's slightly different texture over here. What I will say is that vanilla slice is not my favorite thing, but I did bring it anyway because it is good. You know, I'm, I love sweets no matter what they are. I don't what's that other, too much. Not to sidetrack you too much, but what's that other snack that you are just now discovering that you really like too? It's like moon something. Oh, moon macadamias. Shout out to Casey Lee who told me about who got them for me the first time. And now my friend Sophie, who I've gotten hooked on them, uh, they are extremely decadent though. So I don't have them quite as often because then I start to worry about my teeth, but they are macadamia nuts that are like honey roasted. So they almost have like a really thin layer of like honey candy on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then they're coated in a very thick layer of milk chocolate. And then a very thin layer of white chocolate on the outside of that. Oh my, yeah. sort of like, so they're, uh, like those... the, they're almost like the size of golf balls by the time you get them. You. Almost, almost as good as those things we got in Hawaii that then I tried nothing to order from Hawaii. Compare. No, nothing will ever compare to those. those what are those called? Are macadamia nuts with caramel, with like liquid caramel still on the outside, coated in milk chocolate, and then with flaky sea salt on top, which uh, yeah, nothing the... will beat that. Oh my word, they yes. were unbelievable. What were they called? Uh, they were made in Hawaii. I can't remember, but I ordered some from Hawaii and they showed up completely liquidated. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. I still would have taken them though, but I think that you just use that as an excuse to keep them and eat them for yourself cuz I still would have no, eaten them. I couldn't. They were solid. It was like a block of it was just I would have it was cut terrible. it up into cubes and eat it. Yeah, but all the ingredients, it, it only works because of the way they separate That's out true. each macadamia nut. Okay. But oh, anyway, so, so you, you had a good day. You had vanilla I brought vanilla two vanilla slices to Sophie and I's favorite beach spot. We got coffee because there's also a beach cafe right there, like a little stall that gives you delicious coffee and goodies. They also do chips and so forth. And we sat there and we watched all the dolphins jumping through because where I live now, there are like more dolphins than people. So wow, yeah, it's incredible. So we sat there. Right. You have camels. Yeah. Lots of camels everywhere. Yeah. Fun fact about Australia. We're one of the biggest exporters of camels in the world. (laughs) Yes. There are camels all over the beach as well. It's kind of a weird place. Like you would not expect that. Do you have kangaroos? <laughs> you know, yeah, there are kangaroos, but not as many in the city. 
You, oh, because you're in the city, but you're on the beach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the camels that you see are normally part of camel tours. Like they do, you know, like pony rides only on camels. So Dolphins you're just trying to sign up. You're trying to sign up for those camel tours. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do love the fact that there are camels nearby that we can ride whenever we want. I'm, I am pumped about that fact. Uh, but the kangaroos are more out in the bush or of course, gotcha. then further out in the outback. Kangaroos are like deer for you, right? Or like squirrels. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, more like deer. Yeah. Okay. Only like if deer could also like maybe kill you. And squirrels are actually quite popular over there because you don't have any, Everybody here loves squirrels. Yeah, because they've never seen them. Yeah. Squirrels, just like American yellow school buses, are quite a novelty in this country because everybody is not sure like if they're real or not. And then when I say I'm American, they go, oh, so have you seen a squirrel? I'm like, wow, we really, things are not the way they should be. Like when somebody says, I'm Australian, people are like, oh, you know, have you seen kangaroos? Have you wrestled crocodiles? You know, have you gotten bit by venomous snakes? And have you seen venomous spiders? And to which all of those things, most Australians are like, yeah. Right. (laughs) Yes. Whereas, you know, and then the tables are turned and they say, they say to me, have you seen a squirrel? And it's just like, how about those school buses? So you had a great day and what else did you want to say about And then I came home and then I went to the thrift shop and finished up all the rest of my chores. Then I called my, oh, and then I I all of a sudden had this really strong craving for Subway. I was really in the mood for a veggie delight, which is the only thing I ever get from Subway, which is just all the vegetables on a wheat roll with some cheddar cheese, which people probably would think sounds disgusting. And yet it is so good and it really hits the spot for me. And I realized that I really wanted that for dinner at 4:47 but then the rest the uh, subway closes at 5 and so then i like went through this moment these few moments of i like started getting dressed or putting pants back on to run outside <laughs> to get you know and downstairs and it's probably like a 5 minute walk to get to the subway and it was going to close in 13 minutes and then i like stopped getting dressed a couple of times i like froze thinking i'm not going to make it or like is it really worth it can i just have the pasta that i froze a week ago and then I was like, no, I want it. And I'm so committed. And so then I ran all the way down there and I got there at like 4.57. And I was like, I'm here. I'm here. Can I please have a veggie delight? And the girl goes, we close at seven. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, catch your breath. And I was like, oh, um, okay. Well, calm down. Everybody calm down. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is not the end of the world. You, Yeah, you can take a minute. I wish and, she was probably like, I wish we were, we would already yeah. be closed. Trust me. Like, oh. You would not be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So she was really sweet. She made me the perfect sandwich. And then I ran back upstairs, finished the rest of my errands and then sat down to have a delicious dinner of Subway Veggie Delight as I watched the West Wing, which I love. And I watched that show with my mom and dad when I was young growing up. And you know, you guys watch it all the time. I still remember falling asleep to that sound. It it used to help me fall asleep because I used to get really scared at nighttime and I would like freak myself out and not be able to fall asleep. But what would always help me fall asleep is if I heard the iconic tune of na, 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 which is like the West Wing theme song. During those years, during those years, we did not have TV. So it was always DVDs or DVDs. Yeah. And the reason it would help me fall asleep and just give me so much peace is because since it was the theme song and the episodes lasted like at least 45 minutes each, I knew that you guys were going to be awake with the lights on for at least 45 more minutes, which meant that I had at least 45 minutes to fall asleep with you guys still up 
meaning that like nothing could come in and get me because you guys were mm-hmm. like on sentry duty sure. out, out front. So anyways, great nostalgic memories of West Wing. And once I was that old is. enough to watch it with you guys, I watched some of those episodes with you and it's just a fantastic show. So I had a pretty good day, but my night, interestingly enough, was not so great. And I am wanting to ask you if you had a similar experience. So I woke up last night uh-huh. in sheer terror. What? I woke up in almost a utter, like a flush body panic about you. Checked my phone and I got all these pictures that you're at the beach. Oh, yeah. And I was like, huh, I don't know what's going on. So I wondered. Wait, hold on. Can I guess what it was? Yes. Because I had a similar moment today while at the beach, actually. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I realized that it was my anniversary in two days. And two years ago, I was in the hospital for my anniversary because it was right yes. when I, yes, right when I was resubmitted, readmitted, not resubmitted. And I was like, <laughs> we're resubmitting this for extra marks. We failed the first time. <laughs> the first time we got like a 49% max and we're hoping to get a few extra bonus points. No. <laughs> I realized I was going to readmitted to hospital. This is yes. the two-year anniversary of my readmission to hospital. Oh my was goodness! It and it uh, yes, because that took place at night. It was exactly the same time. Yeah, and that's so weird know, because I had it right in the middle of the day while I was at the beach, which must have been I just insane. Right when you were woken up, I, wow, that's so weird. Yeah. So anyway, here's let this be a lesson to people who think that some sometimes the stuff we talk about must be like, you know, that can't possibly be true. No, it really happens. It is. It is so experiences like this. The brain and body are so amazing. And I think, you know, obviously we're kind of cued into it because of what we do at the Mm -hmm. podcast and what we do in our professional life. But I think a lot of people probably don't realize that stuff that's happening in their body has to do with maybe possibly trauma that still needs more work. Yeah, so true. And so as you tune into that and pay attention to the calendar and and things like that, you can feel maybe more empowered with your own body mm-hmm. and with, yeah. with your experiences. So anyway, whoa. So anyway, I was up totally. and then I couldn't get back to sleep. And then I'm so glad that you're okay. Did you have any memories from that night? I know we've already talked about that night, but did you have any any thoughts, any reflections? Oh, reflections, no. But I have been like replaying those first few hours over in my mind, like before we actually drove to the hospital, mm-hmm. like when it when it was first starting and first getting worse. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. slowly we started to realize that it wasn't stopping, you know? And I remember yeah. you calling your friend being like, she's having some pain. And they were like, well, you know, unless it's in, I think it was the left side or whatever, whichever, whichever the side that it wasn't, they were like, oh, you know, unless it's there, it's probably, there's probably nothing serious going on. And so we were like, okay, you know, it should pass. It should be fine. And then just like the horror that then started to, to yes. descend, you know? Yes. I remember sitting on my bed after that phone call and thinking, I can't trust anyone. Even if I called a doctor, I couldn't trust what they said because nobody understands the surgery except for your surgeons. And I didn't want to call your surgeons again because we called them <laughs> yeah. every day. A quick, a quick uh, side note there is that the mom did not realize when she was given a personal <laughs> phone number to one of our to one of my surgeons, and my surgeon said, 
text me whenever. And she then took that as text me or call me if there, if anything happens, like not, not if there's an emergency, but like if there's any news at all. And so then mom started started calling or texting at, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. just to, just for updates, just like this was, yeah, this was when we were in the hospital and I, and this was also, it wasn't an emergency, but I, we obviously didn't feel like your pain was going in the right direction. Which it and I was a little, yeah. I was a little frustrated with yeah. the responses I was getting, and so listen, I, started- I was support fully supporting you figuring, you know, you contacting our one person who knew what was happening, or at least what should be happening. But so I started sending not- text updates of who's come in the room and who's gone <laughs> yeah. out of the room, and however, what she didn't realize was that. <laughs> What she did not realize is that, first of all, surgeons are busy. Second of all, <laughs> second no. of all. Uh, false. I realized surgeons were busy, okay? But okay, I but- also realized we were in a spot that nobody could get us out of. And so pretty much if the president himself had had given me his personal cell, I would have been texting him. Anybody that was like, hey, it's true. And so, so let problems, me call me. I would have been texting all of those people in power. I needed people who could be like, send yeah. over this pain person and send yeah. over and let's change this med. And you know, I wasn't going to be texting just any okay. old person. Okay. My and friend. Let, me tell you, let me tell you guys, it this process of it went on for several days and it came to a screeching halt when she <laughs> got a text back <laughs> in the middle yep. of the night, probably around 2, 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Yep. Uh, from not our loving doctor, female doctor surgeon, but rather from her husband who said, <laughs> do you really need me to wake up my wife for this? Oh my word. I was like, holy cow, what yeah. in the heck? Her husband had been having to wake her up every time we texted her <laughs> in the middle of the night. And this woman, how fantastic she had actually been opening her eyes in the middle of sleep. And granted, she'd been doing surgeries all day, every day. I mean, this is a busy woman. And and her husband finally like had had enough and finally was like, do you are, really, do you really need me to yeah. wake her up like, for you right now? And so the uh, next day I was like, oh my word, you told me to keep you updated. I thought you were <laughs> like checking this the next day, like a yeah. log of my sorrows. Yeah. <laughs> She thought that she, she thought that it was like email level priority. Like mom was just like the texts were the same as like sending an email update. But no, our surgeon had it was like an urgent personal line that she had given mom. And oh my word, yeah, we, yeah. So after that, we never got any more personal phone numbers. Let's just say that for any of the <laughs> any well, of the well, well, team. I didn't know it was a personal phone number, but that that goes to show you that obviously they were concerned about you. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. But then when I found out, I was like ringing up the family at three. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Can I tell you truthfully? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that would have changed. I probably would have sent less information. <laughs> but, but you still would have texted. Yeah. I still needed an answer and I still needed things to change and you were still the priority and I was still going to do, get my daughter the medicine, uh, terms of endearment. Get my daughter the meds. That's from Terms of Endearment. Um, yeah, I, I'm still, there's just, you can't stop that kind of urge. You know, it's, I, you're the only parent. I mean, yeah. you're, you're an adult at the time of the surgery, but you know, 
No, but it doesn't matter. I was, I still oh. very much, I went straight back into daughter phase, into little baby oh, daughter phase. I needed help for sure. And let me tell so you, terrible. is that, is that our surgeon and that whole realizing that we had been calling her in the middle of the night and that she was responding like the most faithful physician we've ever experienced, that came in handy because then when I did have to be readmitted two years ago today, you were able to call her in the middle of the night. Oh, and yeah. The and then I did call her and got her husband and then said, put her on. Yeah, put her on. I now, need yeah. her. And then, yeah, that was... That was something else. Although, but anyway, yeah, yes, bad, so yeah. this is the two-year anniversary and does go to show you yep. that bodies do, um, just like score. the book, the body keeps the score, bodies do track time way better than our than brains, brains do. brains do, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, there are memory um, things all throughout your body, which people don't realize. A lot of people think memory is all in the brain. In the brain, but um, no, it's in the body as well. Right, and so... For instance, can we... Quick cover the topic. Maybe people don't realize this, but, or maybe did we cover it in our episode with Dr. Bob about how bruises can appear on people again? Uh, he did mention that, but no, we didn't cover why don't, it. Why don't you though. quick share that? Because that's an excellent example of just how well the body remembers without the brain necessarily being active. Well, I mean, basically that's it, that marks can appear um, that are not being caused right now, but because of the way the body responds to trauma. Um, as yeah. you're talking about the incident. Um, years later. It could be years later that you're talking about it. Right. So like a bruise won't necessarily show up, but the um, marks where the bruise was can get flushy red. And The part on can... your body that got bruised during the trauma years prior, right. if you're walking through the narrative again, that area on the body can react physically, yeah. mm -hmm. which I think is so interesting. It's a body tell that something is really still kind of stuck yeah. um, with that memory and that the brain and body are still kind of feeling like they're in it. Yeah. And when they talk about it, it's still, they're still in it. And so that's really not good for the nervous system because you can get triggered in trauma, you know, and not realize that's what's happening. And a lot of people mm -hmm. aren't like staring at their body. So sometimes it's not until they sit with a therapist that the yeah, therapist you, says, you, you, know, you see it sometimes, right? As yeah, a therapist. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And then you'll just say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm noticing this. Have you ever noticed that this happens when you talk about this? And most people I'm will sure say, that can be scary for them. No, I had no idea. So, yeah. So, but that's really helpful too, because um, just now, now you start to become aware. You start to look at your body. Well, I have a question for you in, the, in that same line of talking, because I noticed the other day uh, while sending a Marco Polo to somebody that I have definitely a trauma tell when I start talking about my, about my trauma, I do have a tell that comes out mm -hmm. that shows that I haven't fully processed it yet. And it's a certain face that I do that I realized I only do when I'm talking about that. Mm. Anyway, so I wanted to ask you, do you think that you have a tell that you've noticed at all? Oh, I clench, my stomach. I clench my stomach all the time. Well, but I I tell to, somebody else could notice. That's a good question. <laughs> I guess, which trauma are you talking about? Any of them. Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you have a question for me? I know you had a couple questions, sort of. I do have some questions for you. Um, mm -hmm. And first one is on the topic of self-compassion. Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to chat a little bit about why 
self-compassion is a thing in trauma work. And we don't talk a lot about spirituality, but on this podcast, but I do have some strong spiritual beliefs. And there are people who share my beliefs that believe self-compassion is the same as selfishness. Hmm. And so I wondered if you could talk First about- First of all, let me say to those people, you're dumb. Interesting. I hear your opinion and I give it my stamp of disapproval and I shut <laughs> out the door with a pat on the butt and, and put a sign that says, you are not welcome here on, this, on the other side of the door. So my question for you is, what have you, if you, have you done anything on self-compassion? What are your thoughts? And then I would like to share some thoughts. Uh, Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yes. I, (laughs) yes, I do. I actually, I started practicing self-compassion for the first time after I broke my leg. My leg was just like this black eggplant that was just like hanging off, you know, from like halfway down my shin all the way down Mm. was just like this disgusting black and purple mound like there were no defining there were no defining indents or anything like you could there was no ankle it was nothing it was just like a big left blah 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 and it was just a lot of self-criticism and a lot of disappointment in myself and I remember thinking the phrase which this has been you know I've thought this phrase so many times over the course of my life which is just that oh my body is just failing me and Mm -hmm. the time I was only 17 and it's like you know, I I think not a lot of people know what it's like to feel like your body is just relentlessly failing you when you're still a teenager. Like, I feel like that's a feeling that a lot of people come up against maybe in their 60s, 70s, 80s, but not as much in your teen years of just feeling like your body is so unreliable and like it's going to totally betray you and let you down at like every turn. And then eventually I realized that I was in, that I was almost like entering a state of depression after a while of just sitting there and being so self-critical And then I remember you saying, you know, you should try talking to your leg as if it's as if it's another person and talking to your leg as if you're trying to affirm that person and encourage that person through what they're going through. (laughs) Because if you think about it, your leg is going through something really hard. So if you if you just try to almost like personify it and attribute it its own consciousness and like talk to it. So I did try and definitely the people in my room thought I was nuts. But then again, they snored like train tracks. So, <laughs> or like a train, not like the train the tracks. People, the people, <laughs> those, those loud train silent. They're, they snored like train tracks, aka they didn't snore at all. <laughs> perfectly silent. They were perfectly. a little cold at night, but. <laughs> perfectly still, perfectly lied yeah. flat, like train tracks. Um, yeah. And I remember you were, every time I talked to you, you were like, oh, my stupid leg, my, my stupid body, you know, you're using words like stupid and, and you're getting angry. Uh, I, I had to out me like that, but yes, that's probably true. <laughs> I probably was. I don't remember being that mean to myself, but you're probably right. I'm, I'm sure I was that way. But just like we talked about with, with learning about the body and how the body, you know, as you start to develop this attitude toward your body, it's the same with when you're trying to change your body in any healthy way, if you get mad at your body, your body is going to respond in Mm. not so great of a way. Mm. And so, you know, I always tell people, I've never seen anybody get better by being angry. I've only seen, I've only seen people who start to try to understand and try to be compassionate. And so, yeah. And so, you found it helpful. I did find it helpful. And I've been doing it really ever since those days in the hospital uh, with my leg. So back then, what I would do was uh, every morning and every night, I would say to my leg, 
I know that you are trying your best and thank you for trying your best. And I think that we are going to get through this together. Those were the main things that I would say. I, I would acknowledge it for doing its best. I would thank it for what it's doing. And I would say, you know, I still, and also I still have hope that you and I are still going to make it through. <laughs> and that probably mm-hmm. sounds nuts to some people, but it really does. I think I, it's got to be something with releasing happy chemicals in your brain when you're kind to yourself that really does make you feel better, but because it really did have an effect. And then ever since I built that foundation in the hospital, you know, my body has been through a lot since then, even, mm-hmm. even just the next surgery of my leg, you know, I went through the whole thing over again with the pick line and then the infected mm-hmm. pick line and then the reinsertion of the pick line and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And I just remember saying to myself, you know what, we are going to get through it. You know, I still do that whenever I, whenever I'm feeling hopeless with my body, I say, you know what, I know you're trying your best and we're going to get through it eventually. And that is on self-compassion. <laughs> And I think some people feel like self-compassion is selfishness. They get that confused. Here's the thing. I think that sometimes selfishness is okay and actually should be encouraged because sometimes there comes a time to be not selfless and not to prioritize other people over yourself. And I know that that's controversial. I know that that's controversial. But a lot of people would agree with me if they gave themselves permission to use those terms because the term self-care I think, is selfishness, just in a different word. Oh, my word. So I have to disagree with you here. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, normally we agree. I I do think that when selfishness becomes, I am more important than you, my needs are more important than your needs. That is, that is selfishness. And that isn't, that isn't the way to go. But self-attending where you can say, you know what, this isn't going to work for me. I'm going to have to say no to that. You and I are defining our terms differently. That's one of the main fallacies that occurs in arguments between people is the fallacy of definition of terms. I think that selfishness needs to be redefined as not always being negative. Okay, but so I just think you should change the term. Yeah, I know, but I think that you you shouldn't have to. But the, the thing is, there's no reason to try to use the term selfishness when you can just use the, what we're talking about is different from okay, selfish. What's, what, what term would you use then? Self-attending. I think that there's no reason to define self-attending as selfish. And I think people who do have a really good intentions, but, but they need to understand that there's also, you know, in our faith, when you align yourself with the attitude God has toward you, Mm-hmm. that you that then you are paying attention mm-hmm. to yourself and you're also saying you know what this isn't going to work for me this is going to be no or yes I do want to do that or I'm going to need this or I feel that and I need that that's not selfish that's self attending that's being in alignment with the attitude God has toward you which is I keep all your tears in a bottle I am aware of when you sit down and when you stand up I'm with you always I care deeply about you. I'm interested in everything that you're thinking, saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking you. Unlike mm-hmm. other humans who ignore you or, or don't pay attention or don't honor your boundaries, mm-hmm. trying to get in alignment with the attitude God has toward you, that's self-attending, that's self-compassion, but that is not selfish. Because selfish is when I walk into a room, I think I'm better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I say, you get me that cup of water. You go get out of that chair. I want that chair. (laughs) You know, that dictatorship. And I disagree, but we can agree to disagree. That's okay. (laughs) 
All right. Well, we are at the end of our, our episode. <laughs> and so with that disagreement, mm-hmm. um, we do, I do think self-compassion is something that can align oh, last word, with, well oh, with your faith. <laughs> and it's something that has brought, you know, healing for you. I know it's brought for me because even though I gave you all those speeches about self-compassion with all that you've been through, when I went through what I went through, I started calling my knee a bad name and not a bad name, but it was, I just called it, I started calling it my lumpy knee and I realized that's not nice. So I need to change it. And I started being more um, kind. Well, that's and, you know, so true. Cause imagine what it would be like if somebody called you a lumpy person, a lumpy person. Exactly. I think the hardest part for me with my leg is just the um, numbness. And so I get sort of even without words, I have this attitude toward my leg of kind of like, Ugh. like I don't like you, and I and, and but that gives you the because that's, that's what one of my friends says whenever like mm-hmm. to be grossed out by something is mm-hmm. you know, we say butt tingles. She says, "Oh, that gives me the ick." <laughs> yeah, so I had to really work on every time I engaged and and still do engage my leg. How <laughs> <laughs> to engage my leg? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Every time I engage my leg, I got there out on the balcony. <laughs> it's morning. That's fine. To, to say, hey, like it's okay. And and can I tell you, people are amazed. I just ran eleven miles the other day, and people, yeah. <clears throat> I still have it in my throat. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> people are. Out, hey, be nice. Be nice to my. Be nice to my gravelly throat. Um, that that gives me the ick. People are amazed at that I'm able to do what I'm able to do. And I it's not that I think it's all self-compassion, but I know it has something to do with no. it. That's the end of what I wanted to say in my last word, freak out. Okay, great. And we are at the end. We are. Please go follow all of our social media channels at Not Ideal Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will talk to you next week. I'm Kim. I'm the mom signing off. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. See you later. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.